0: All right, so as you guys all know, this weekend, uh, we have our inner healing, the deliverance retreat, and uh, the focus is going to be more personal, it's going to be more heart-to-heart, uh, setting the cap of free, one by one, so I'm really excited for each and every one of you uh, who's going, including myself as well, I just sense more anointings going to be released in this church, this power is really going to rise up. So be excited. Uh, But before the retreat, I felt led to share tonight on something that's deliverance on a little more of a larger scale, and it's how to break generational curses and pray revival for your family, for the nation. Okay, this is what I'm going to be preaching about tonight, so if you're titling it, it's kind of long, but you can write, Breaking Generational Curses, Praying Revival. Breaking Generational Curses, Praying Revival. Before I get into the message, though, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for just your great love that is in this place. We thank you for the brothers and sisters that are here, for this fellowship, for the love that is in this room. God, we exalt you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. We thank you, Jesus, that you are a redeemer, you are a deliverer, that you have come that we may have life and have it to the full, and there is no curse, there is no sin, there is no shame, there is no... No pain, Lord God, that is too great for you, but Lord God, you are the healer of us completely, Lord, physically, spiritually, mentally, everything, Lord God. So we invite your spirit of healing in this place. We also invite the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We pray that you release this in your church, Lord God, that this word may not fall to the ground, but it may, Lord God, cut to the heart, that you may strengthen us in prayer. I ask for prayer for myself, Lord God, that you may use me as your mouthpiece, as your messenger, to, Lord God, the people in this room and to the people that may listen to this podcast for us. Let your anointing flow. Let your yes. glory, Lord God, be lifted up in this place. We pray this yes. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we get into gener- generational curses, you've got to first know what they are and how to identify them. And generational curses, they're curses that result in the particular sin or consequence of sin. A sin or a consequence of sin. That not only applies to the initial trespasser, the initial sinner, but to the generations that follow. Okay? And this can affect not just people, but also nations, land, uh, things that are cursed. Okay? So it's a particular sin or consequence of sin that applies not only to the initial trespasser, but is passed down. And we see this throughout the Bible. Uh, some examples would be Abraham. He had a problem with integrity, uh, with honesty. He kept saying that his wife was, was his sister, uh, and then we read that his son Isaac did the same exact thing. Had the same problem, uh, made the same lies, and then we read that the grandson Jacob was known as the deceiver. Uh, so it got even worse with Jacob. When we read about David, we saw that he had a problem with lust, uh, and this brought murder into his family. We saw that that went down into his son Ammon, his son Absalom, and his son Solomon. And even his grandson Rehoboam. Rehoboam had 18 wives, 60 concubines. So generational curses can also apply to nations. You read your Bible, you see this very clearly with Israel and Judah. The prophetic books are almost all about the curses uh, that have come upon the nation and why they are there as a result of injustice and idolatry and adultery. So the book, it's, the the Bible, it's loaded with these things. And surprisingly, curses are even a part of God's character. This is part of God's character. If you read Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, you can write that down if you want. This is when God reveals His glory to Moses. This is what He says, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord, the Lord, God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and sin, but who will by no means clearly guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's his character. Okay? That is who he is. He is loving, he is forgiving, he is merciful. He is also a God of justice. And he will allow consequences of sin, he will allow curses into people's lives to bring them to repentance. And if they do not repent, it will carry on. It will continue until the family has repented and is completely set free of it. You see, curses are a form of justice and of discipline. Deuteronomy 28 has 54 verses set aside for explaining generational curses. Leviticus 26 has 28 verses set aside for explaining generational curses. The theme of Leviticus 26 is, and this is repeated four times in the chapter, then, as if you will walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. So he's saying, after one curse, if you do not repent, if you are proud at heart, if your heart is hardened, if you try and curse me, I will continue to discipline you. And if, if I continue to discipline you and you continue to be hard at heart, it's going to just keep coming. Oh, why? Because he's a loving God. Because he wants us to come to repentance. He doesn't want to just leave us alone. He wants us to get in that place where we will finally be humbled enough at heart to say, God, I repent. God, I need you. You are my deliverer. I lay down my sins before you. I repent of them. So how do these generational curses get in? How are they different from just simple bondage? Exodus 20, verses 4 and 6, the Ten Commandments, says very clearly that if you commit idolatry, Sins will come, as a result of idolatry, you'll be cursed to the third and fourth generation. Idolatry is one of the very clear ones in the Bible. In my experience with deliverance ministry, it's often sins of the occult will allow generational curses, and also extreme sins, such as murder, or uh, perverse sins, a lot of sexual sin. These things can get in and be passed down through the family. Signs of generational curses would be divorce being common in your family. Fits of anger being common, depression, confusion, poverty, disease, early death, uh, other consequences as well. These curses cannot just in- infiltrate your family, but they can also affect the nation. If the nation is going in idolatry, the whole nation will be cursed. Okay, just look to the north. Look to North Korea. Deuteronomy 28, 54 verses of generational curses, it basically describes North Korea. Uh, You just see that nation is loaded with it. Haiti would be another nation that you would see. God doesn't want these curses to continue. He doesn't want us to live under the sins of our forefathers, of our dad, of our grandparents, of our great-grandparents. He wants us to walk in freedom. And there's a chapter in the Bible that is a perfect example of how you pray against generational curses, both for your family and for your nation. And that chapter is Daniel chapter 9. So if you all can right now open your Bible to Daniel chapter 9, we're going to go through this prayer. It's a bit long, I'm not going to cover every verse, but Daniel gives an excellent, just an excellent uh, outline of how you pray. This prayer is also copied in Nehemiah chapter 1. It's very similar. Nehemiah prays a very similar prayer for the deliverance of the nation. Both prayers are answered in awesomely. So Daniel 9. background to Daniel 9 is that Daniel is in exile, he is living in the pagan country Babylon, his people, the Jews, have been taken out of their homeland, and their city, which is just the city, their hometown, the place that they love, Jerusalem, has been left desolate. As a result of their idolatry, God has cursed their hometown and he's exiled the community. This has been going on for nearly 70 years. So we read in Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to begin with verses 1 through 3. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a descent Amid, by descent Mead, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass for the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. If you guys don't mind, I'd like you to mark in your Bible, underline or highlight or whatever, the word perceive. Perceive. That's the first step. Praying for generational curses, praying for deliverance for a nation. We need perception. We need knowledge. We need revelation in our lives. If we want to be used by God to break the curses in our family, in the nation, in our church, in the people around us, we have to be looking to him for revelation. We will not be able to fight in our natural mind. It has to come through the Holy Spirit. And Daniel, he was looking in the right place for revelation. He was looking at the scriptures. He was looking at the prophecies of Jeremiah.
1: God may give us
0: revelation through prophetic word, through dreams, through vision, through words of knowledge. But all these words will always be grounded upon His Word. And to walk in that freedom, we must be grounded upon His Word. Amen. John 8, 32 says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. You've got to know the truth. If you want to be a deliverer, if you want to be used in this, you have to know the truth of God. You have to stand on His promises. So proceed. If we want to see freedom, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.17 The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 You want to see breakthrough? You want to see people set free from bondage? You have to have the Spirit of the Lord in that place. Now, if you want that knowledge, if you want that wisdom, if you want that revelation, God's Word is very clear. Matthew 7.7 Ask will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Jeremiah 33.3, three, call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You do not know. Great and unsearchable things. He will reveal what lies in the darkness. As a greater spirit of wisdom and revelation is released in this church, we are going to see not just freedom in individuals in this church, but we're going to see breakthroughs in churches, just like in new life, we're going to see even deeper, deeper things in these churches and these, these bodies of Christ, we're going to be able to pray and identify and these churches are going to be set free as well. There's going to be an empowering in these churches and they too are going to go forth. And as we're faithful in this anointing, it's going to become more on a citywide scale and then on a nationwide scale. This is something that God is building up in this church, this spirit of wisdom and revelation. We have to hunger and thirst for it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, They will be filled. Amen. Excuse my voice. Next, I want you to mark or underline the words seventy years. Seventy years. In Jeremiah twenty five, verse eleven and twelve, there is a clear prophecy that there must be seventy years of desolation of Jerusalem before it will be rebuilt. This is a clear prophecy. Now, according to historical dating, Daniel, if it was the the first year of Darius, he was reading this prophecy in about the 66th or 67th year, okay? So this prophecy is almost about to be fulfilled, okay? If if they really claim it, Jerusalem will be redeemed in a very short while.
1: So at this time, Daniel is a very old man.
0: I know we tend to think that Daniel was very young in the lion's den. It's not true. He was likely very, very old. Uh, Probably at this time, he might be in his 70s, maybe even his 80s. Very old man uh, to have been exiled this long. So he's old. He's likely not that mobile. Uh, Likely, even if he had permission from the king, he would not be able to go back to Jerusalem because of his age. There's just not much chance of him returning. Also, there's clear prophecy here that it's going to be 70 years. But despite all this, Daniel is not stopped by praying. He has to pray. He has to claim this prophecy, and he wants it even sooner. He is willing to press God, his friend, press God and say, God, make it come quicker. God, come and redeem Jerusalem. Redeem your people. Break this curse. Daniel understands that prophetic words are not given to us so that we can just relax and be like, oh good, that's coming. Great, now I don't have to pray about it. He doesn't give us prophetic words so that we're just given to faith. We hear all these, these prophets saying that North Korea and South Korea will eventually be reunified. We also hear that North Korea will be redeemed, used in a great way. So, does this mean we, we don't need to pray for North Korea? It's going to happen. God said it in his prophetic word. To speak like that is, is a spirit of laziness and futility. It's a spirit given over to faith. And it it's not a spirit that pleases God. You see, God gives us prophetic words to challenge our faith, to help encourage us to know, hey, I am going to do this. Keep praying. Keep running after it. Often he'll give us prophetic words, and when we get that, it's actually a sign, it's going to be harder. It's actually going to be something that we're really going to have to pray. Because if he didn't need to give a prophetic word, then we could just pray on our own faith, and it would be answered. But if he gives a prophetic word that... Yeah, your wife is going to be this type of person, or your husband's going to be this type of person. You've got to claim that. And you've got to wait on the Lord. And you've got to know, well, he's given this to me because I'm not, probably not going to need her this you know, tomorrow or the next day. Why would he give it? Unless he's saying, wait on me. Claim it. I have greater things. Do not be satisfied with anything less. I've given you my word. Now claim it. Pray it and walk in faith. Amen? Amen. So some of you guys have received a word or a vision or a calling for your life, or for your family, or for your company, or even for your country. You have to claim it in prayer and continue to claim it. To continue to claim it. To continue to claim it. Because God is faithful, He will come. Habakkuk 2.3 says, The revelation awaits the appointed time. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay don't it linger. It will certainly come. It will not delay. Wait for it. Wait for it. Alright, next verse. Daniel 9, 3. <clears throat> I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Go ahead and mark or underline the words, turn my face, turn my face to the Lord God. Daniel's received a revelation. He has the word of God before him. What's his next step? To turn his face to the Lord. He's received a prophetic word. He's received a word from Jeremiah. So you just leave it to the side. You just say, oh, that's good. In a few years, he'll be back. No. He hears it and says, God has given me this word of revelation for a reason. I've got to claim it. I've got to bring it before him. And I'm not just going to claim it in prayer. I'm going to fast I'm going to empty myself of Him and say, God, this has to be you. I'm going to align myself with his will. You see, when you humble yourself and you pray and you fast, you're emptying yourself of you. You're saying, God, it's your will that must be done. You see, God doesn't need us to act. He, you know, we, we can do all that we want, but if he's not in us, nothing's going to happen. It's his arm that changes the nations. It's his arm that will save your mom and your dad. But He wants us to be involved in it. He calls us to be involved in it. And it's as we pray and as we fast that our hearts are able to be aligned with His heart. That we're able to know the prayers that He is praying on the throne. So that we too can be used as a deliverer. So that we can fulfill Isaiah 61 in our lives. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to to do these things. We are not called to be bystanders. We are called to be active. And God wants us to be active first and foremost in prayer, in seeking His face. Before we can do anything else, we must come to Him in prayer. Another thing we see in this is that Daniel did not just pray once and he was done. It says that he sought God by prayer and fasting. So this likely wasn't a two-hour fast and then God responded. Okay, he was persistently seeking God. There was persistence. This is what the church must have if we want to see breakthrough. If we want to see all the plans that God has for this church be fulfilled. If we, This is what we need if we want to see all of God's plans for our family fulfilled. Persistence. Even the great prophets like Jeremiah. Even these great prophets, they had to wait on the Lord. They had to pray. Sometimes it came immediately. Sometimes it took weeks. Sometimes it took months, like Nehemiah. He prays and he prays and he fasts and he fasts. Months later, God gave him an opportunity. God answered his prayer. It takes time. It takes persistence. If even the greatest prophets in in the Bible had to wait, then we should expect to wait as well. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. We must be persistent in prayer. If we want to see the wall of Jericho crumble, we must be persistent in prayer. You know that those Israelites didn't see any crackling in that wall, those last seven days. They were marching and marching and marching. There was no sign of that wall crumbling. Jericho felt secure. But then as they continued to obey the Lord, they kept persistent. Boom, those walls fell. It was sudden. God acts suddenly. And we'll see this. In the uh, towards the end of Daniel chapter nine, God responds suddenly, and it's often in our place of prayer. Turn my face to the Lord God. Persistence, persistence in prayer. Daniel chapter nine verse four. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, "O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments." You can mark the words, great and awesome God. So Daniel, he's doing everything right. He's seeking revelation. He gets it. How does he get it? He's reading the word of God. He is grounded on the word of God. He gets his revelation. What does he do? He turns to the Lord in prayer and fasting. Now, how does he start his prayer? He's just read that his people will be exiled for at least 70 years. Then Jerusalem will be rebuilt. He's seen his, his family murdered. People drag him away. He's lost his friends, his loved ones. And he reads that, hey, if this prophecy is fulfilled, we'll be back in just a few years. Does he come to God with urgency and, and laying down his request? Does he come to God in anger for what God has done to the people? No. He comes to the Lord with praise. With praise. With praise. We will enter his gates with thanksgiving on our hearts. We will enter his courts with praise. You must come to the Lord first in praise. Daniel understood that God is sovereign. Daniel understood that even if everything is chaos on earth, God must be worshipped. He is worthy to be worshipped. And we must remember this in every crisis and every spiritual attack, that God is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. And there is nothing too urgent for us not to praise Him. He is worthy to be praised. Deliverance, breaking curses, revival, these things are not manufactured. There are not just some textbook prayer that you go through and then boom, you see this happen in your personal life, in your family, in your church, in your community. They are not manufactured. You're going to learn in these seminars some excellent teaching, some excellent guidance. But all that guidance and all that teaching is worthless without the Spirit of God. It is worthless without His presence. It has to be Him orchestrating it. He has to be the center. Praise puts Him in the center. It's also as we praise God... That we remember who he is. Some of you guys have been been hit by some despair this week. Some by loneliness. Some by by lust and and other attacks. So how do you come to God in prayer? Guilty and and shameful? Do you come just repent, repent, repent? How do you come to God in prayer? The first thing you need to do in prayer is you need to praise God. And guys, I'll tell you, when you're being attacked in a specific way, you need to praise God for the quality of God that is counter to that attack. If you're being attacked in, uh, say, fear, you need to praise God for God is loving. He is with us. He is mighty to save. He is the rider on the white horse. He is our conqueror. He is our strength. He will never leave us. nor forsake us. We're struggling with shame. You know, shame for for maybe messing up the sin. We need to praise God. He is gracious. He is compassionate. He is a loving God. He cares for those who trust in Him. We're struggling with a spirit of lust. We need to declare, God, you are my deliverer. You are my purity. You are my strength against the enemy. You are the lifter of my head. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's as we praise God in these ways that faith rises up. That we see that that attack is just of the, of the enemy and he's nothing compared to our great and awesome God. Our great and awesome God. Faith rises up as you declare who he is. You're going to learn tomorrow about deliverance ministry, how identity. It's so critical for deliverance ministry. If you want to deliver others, you need to know who you are in Christ. Really, how you know who you are in Christ is how you know who God is. Once you know who God is, then you know who you are. Because God made you, you are made in His image. He is all around you. He is your life. And if you know who He is, and you know His promises for you, Satan so can't, He can't touch you. He fears you. And when you pray and you bind the enemy, He's gonna run. He's gonna run identity. It comes first from praising God for who He is. So Daniel has humbled himself in fasting. I got, you yeah, know, sorry. singing loud right here, my voice. Now, God, uh, now Daniel is lifting God up in praise. He has put both God and himself in perfect position in prayer. So by praising God, by prayer and fasting, Daniel has put God up on a pedestal. Guys, you are great, you are awesome. Prayer and fasting, Daniel has humbled himself. He's in the perfect position to pray for a while. Humility in himself, confidence in God, confidence in who God is. It's not us that's going to change the nation. Prayer, fasting, that will humble you pretty quick. When you're fasting and you're hungry, you realize just how weak you are. But that's when God moves in even greater ways. That's when our confidence, it has to be put in Him. Because our strength is, is minimal when we're fasting. So humility in ourselves, confidence in God. We're going to see this all throughout Daniel's prayer. Let's look at Daniel uh, chapter 9 verse 5. We have sinned and done wrong, and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. One word. We, we, we. Please underline and mark the word we. This part is critical to breaking generational curses and to praying for revival. It's not about us versus them. It's not about their sin and I'm perfect. It's not about me being set apart. If you are part of your family, this is your identity. This is who you are. If you are part of a nation, that, that is your citizenship. That is who you are. That is your identity. You cannot deny that. To come to God and say, them, 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 is to deny who you are. And it's almost, it's pride. It's saying that I, I'm not guilty of any of this. It's them. If you're confessing idolatry for, say, your grandfather tomorrow, you have to say we. Have you ever been free of idolatry in your life? Has there ever been a time where you haven't put something in front of God? How about Murder confessing that that someone in your family has committed murder. Well, I've never committed murder. Jesus says very clearly that if we hate our brother or sister, it's the same as murder. In God's sight, it's the same. So have have we murdered? Okay? So we must come to the Lord with we. With we. We have sinned. We have committed these sins. And I'll tell you, when you pray this prayer, it will humble yourself. It 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 will humble you. As you pray this, and you will, you will not come to the Lord in, in a standing of pride. I am holy, and they're not. So I'm just praying. You will come. You will come humble, because you will remember that yes, we too are sinners. We may have been set free, but we will not forget where we have come from. We will still give glory to the Lord. We will give glory all our days. It's Him who delivered us. It's Him who works through us to deliver delivers others. It's nothing by our own works or our own merit. It's all by His grace. Only Jesus is the true deliverer and we all need his touch. We all need his deliverance. Now just just to add to that, if Daniel was one of the most pure and holy men ever to be in the Bible, in Ezekiel he's compared to Noah and Moses, three of the most pure and holy men in the Bible, three of the best intercessors ever, if he says we... When he's confessing the sins of his nation, we better better say we as well. I'm not ready to say I'm more pure than Daniel. So if we read on through this chapter, it's a long confession. And I'm not going to go through every verse for time's sake, but I want to look at three verses that have a similar theme. It's verses 7, the first part of verse 7, verse 9, and verse 15. I'm going to read them for us. Verse 7. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. Verse nine To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Verse fifteen And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. Daniel remains in a place of humility before God throughout this confession. Never does he blame God for what has happened to his people. Never does he say, God, how could you have done this? Never does he question God. He recognizes who God is. He knows the character of God. And he knows that, that we are all sinners. All have sin and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. And he remains in that place of humility throughout this prayer. He continues to speak the character of God and he continues to confess the sins. There is no self-righteousness at all in this prayer. He remains in that state of humility in himself and his people, confidence in God and who God is. He knows even though they have been wicked and they have sinned and done these horrible things, that God is a good God, that he hears their prayers, that he is a loving God. He bases none of his prayers on his good acts. They have done mighty things for the Lord. But never once does he say, God, I've done these things, now hear my prayer. His prayer is always based on God's grace, on God's love, on God's character. He remains in a place of humility before himself and confidence before his God. It's not by our strength or our might that anything worthy can be accomplished. It's only by his spirit working through us. It has to be through his spirit. Now let's look at the intercession part. This is verses seventeen through nineteen. I'm going to go ahead and read it through. This is a good prayer.
1: Now, therefore,
0: O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy, and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon the sanctuary which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear; open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Twice he says this in his prayer of intercession. His prayer of intercession is a lot shorter than the prayer of confession. I don't know if you noticed that. Confession, he spends a lot of time confessing, confessing, confessing. Now he's going to intercede. Now he's asking for grace. And twice he says this, for your own sake. For your own sake. Go ahead and mark that in your Bible. Daniel understood this, that all creation was made for the glory of God. Did you know that why you're here on earth? You were created for the glory of God. All creation, not just human beings, but also the plants, the animals, the stars in the sky. They are all to reflect His majesty, His glory. So Daniel knows that by his people, the Jews being redeemed, by them returning to Jerusalem, God will receive glory because these are God's people. These are the people set apart for His name. Other famous men in the Bible, such as Abraham, when he interceded for Sodom. Moses, when he interceded for the Israelites, when God was about to destroy the Israelites. They both prayed the same prayer. They said, God, for your glory. For your glory. This is about your glory. Are you not a righteous God? Are you not a good God? This is for your glory. If you allow these people to be slain, this takes away from your glory. That was how they prayed to God. That was how they prayed. That was their motivation. It wasn't, oh God, I just need this, or I just need this for my family and for my country. This is about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about your glory. Your glory and your glory alone.
1: When you're praying for the glory of God,
0: you can have confidence that God's listening to your first. You have pretty good confidence in that. Okay? And then you can have confidence that, yes, God wants you set free, because this glorifies His name. Us living in habitual sin, us living in shame, us living just just hounded by past memories, this gives no glory to the Lord. God is not glorified by our sinful nature. God wants us to be whole. He has come that we may have life and have it to the full. He wants this. He is not glorified by our cancer. He is not glorified by our sickness. He is not glorified by our doubt. He wants us to live victoriously. He wants us to live healed. He wants us to live strong. And as we understand that, as we say, God, this is your glory. This isn't, oh God, heal because I'm praying and and I feel really awkward with all these people watching me. It's not about us. It's not about him answering our prayers. It's about his glory. for your glory, God. God, I'm doing this because you called me to because you want your name to be glorified. So I'm just going to pray. And This is up to you. Whether this person is healed or not, whether this person is set free, this is in your hands. I will be faithful, I will pray, I will do what you call me to do, but this is your work. This is your work. This isn't my work. This is your glory. This isn't my glory. This is your name. This is the confidence we must have in our intercession. For your sake, oh God, for your glory. When we pray that, you have confidence. You have confidence. God is a God that wants to be glorified. He is the only one worthy to be glorified. It is his zoo. The next thing I want you to mark is verse 19. Uh, it's just these four words. Pay attention and act. I like that translation. God, Pay attention and act. <laughs> Daniel knows that he didn't receive a revelation for nothing. you got to understand that as well. When you get to these visions, these prophetic words for your life... You didn't get them just for some, some warm, fuzzy feeling. You didn't get them just so that you can say, oh, that's nice, and forget about it. God gives us these things for a purpose. And as we treasure them, as we bring them before God, he's going to act in a mighty way. And it's as we keep saying, God, look, 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 look at what you've said. I'm claiming these promises. We're going to see them fulfilled. But if we ignore them, then he's going to ignore them. He was the one that stepped out first. He gave us the revelation. Now it's our responsibility to claim it. If you've been praying for your family, if you've been praying for the nation, for North Korea, or for your hometown, or I, I don't know, for your college fellowship at home, we have to keep that persistence in prayer. We have to keep looking to Him. Just like Daniel prayed in this, he keeps saying, oh Lord, hear, oh Lord, forgive, oh Lord, pay attention, delay not, God, listen, 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 listen. Daniel was persistent. He kept praying. And guys, I'm telling you, God was hearing His every prayer. God was listening, and God was working in the spiritual realm. An example of this was when we prayed for Brother Gabriel in one. We received these prophetic words that this man who was, who was cursed, who had been sick for over a year, uh, was just he was starting to lose his mind. He couldn't stand for five to seven minutes because of just pain in his legs and his stomach. Uh, we received these prophetic words before even meeting him, that God was sending us to pray for him, that there was a curse, that this curse would be broken. So we went on these prophetic words, we went in faith, and we prayed for this man. And guys, I'm telling you, without the prophetic words, without the revelation, we would have have stopped in 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Because this man, when we were praying for him in Yomar, he was just sitting there, hunched over in a defeated state. There There was no sign of life. But we prayed for four and a half hours, and we saw nothing. He was just sitting there in the same state. Now and then, His hand would do this. Just a little shake. And that's that. That's all we had in an actual room. And guys, without prophetic word, I would have been like, that's enough. Okay, this is just not happening. But we had received words, and one of the words was Lazarus. And Lazarus, in the Bible, he was sick. They called Jesus, come heal Lazarus. Jesus didn't come. Lazarus dies. Jesus comes three days later. He shows up. People are angry at him. Why didn't you come? Jesus goes, first he weeps, then he prays, and Lazarus comes out. Glory to the Lord. Great glory to the Lord. Sometimes we don't understand, why doesn't Jesus come right away? But we have to trust that he is sovereign. And he knew, if he came right away and healed Lazarus, it would just be like another simple miracle in the Bible. He rebuked the fever and it left. But for three days, he waited. Just like the resurrection was a prophecy of what was to come. And when he healed Lazarus, it shook up the nation. It shook up the nation. So we knew in praying for Brother Gabriel, this is going to take a lot of time. We knew that we would just have to pray. We knew also that tears would be a part of this. And boy, did we cry. The brothers as well. There were just tears everywhere. Uh, And it was just the grace of God working through us that enabled us. Um, But we prayed four and a half hours, nothing. But guys, I'm telling you, in the spiritual realm, stuff was happening. And we would get a word here and there. Something's going on. Will you get a word? Yes, we see the curse getting broken up. We see see this happening. This is from multiple sources. At the four and a half hour mark, Brother Gabriel finally started to pray. Finally started to join us in prayer. took four and a half hours. Within three minutes, he stood up. And he continued to pray. He stood for 30 minutes. That was at least four times longer than he had been able to stand up before. Then he raised his hands. And the prophetic words that we have is once he raises his hands, we're done Okay, and he raised his hands in worship, and wow, just praise filled the room. Now we know Brother Gabriel, he's still recovering from this, but we know that there was a big breakthrough there. And it wouldn't have happened if there wasn't persistence in prayer. It wouldn't have happened if we weren't listening to the revelation that we, we were getting and committing it in prayer, keeping faithful and claiming it and claiming it. And I'm telling you, we, we were claiming it with all that we had. We were ready to stay all night if we had to. That was the grace of God working there. But that's what we have to understand. As I pray for North Korea, I don't see anything. I don't see anything in the natural, except for those two Americans being, being released out of North Korea. I mean, there's very little to be seen. But does that stop me from praying? No, because God has given me promises, and I must claim them. I must pray for them. And what I sense is going to be just like Brother Gabriel. Some years are going to pass, and then boom, it's going to happen, and it's going to come suddenly. Suddenly Brother Gabriel starts to pray few minutes, he's standing. Shortly after that, hands are up. Took four and a half hours. Who knows how many, how much that is in years for North Korea. But will you pray? Will you be involved in it? Will you be able to stand and receive that that, that glory? Just, just have that sense, man, I was involved, to be used by God. Or do you sit on the sidelines and just be like, I no, forget. It's not worth it to me. If it's worth it to God, it's worth it to us. We have to keep persistent in prayer. We have to keep praying to God. Pay attention and act. Oh God, hear. O oh God, do not delay. Come, 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 Lord Jesus. So if you read on in Daniel chapter 9, you see that his prayers, he was answered in a sudden way. It says, while he was still praying and confessing the sins of, of Jerusalem, of the Jews, an angel came. It's the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel gave him an amazing prophecy about Jesus and about the end times. An amazing work. It was sudden though. It wasn't something where Daniel prayed for a while and then it was answered later on or or Daniel just prayed for a minute and then it was answered. It was something Daniel was persistent and then God showed up suddenly in his prayers. This is what we have to cling to. God's going to meet us in our prayers. He's going to meet us as we are persistent and we cannot give up. As the church leadership, as you guys go through the inner healing and through the deliverance tomorrow, God's going to set you guys free in mighty ways. And you're going to, to confess generational curses from your family, and you're going to be broken off of these curses. To break them in is very easy. Just like Daniel, you confess the sin of your family, okay, and then you receive God's grace into your life. And if the prayer counselor is with you, he should cut the curse by the sword of the spirit. It's just confessing it, praying the blood of Jesus over it. The blood of Jesus redeems us from our sins. Okay? And then cutting that curse. So it's going to be cut off of your life. Why? Because you're living after God. Because you are a Christian. You are a son and daughter of God. Before your family, will it be cut off? Not unless they too bring it before the Lord. Not unless you intercede for them and continue to break it. If your family is a non-Christian family, they do not believe in the Lord, then you have to keep praying like Daniel. Keep praying and keep claiming God by your spirit, by your glory, by your might, set them free. North Korea, it's not going to come unless we as a church intercede for them. As we keep interceding, it will eventually come. But it's that salvation for family members, unsaved, and salvation for nations, for cities, even for, for the lost. It takes time. It takes persistence. And we need to follow the model of Daniel. Seek revelation in the Lord. Be grounded on the work. Turn to the God in prayer and fasting. Praise His name. Give Him glory. Confess the sins. And don't confess in pride, but confess in the spirit of humility. And then intercede and intercede and intercede. And He will come. He will come and He will not delay. must trust in Him. Yeah. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we exalt you. We thank you, Lord, for your work, Lord God, your word gives us life. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that, Lord God, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We thank you for the forerunners, Lord God, for those from long ago like Daniel, like Nehemiah, who interceded on behalf of our nation, and we saw, Lord God, your arm move in a mighty way. We thank you, Lord, for the space that you give us, Lord, to know that you redeemed us from, Lord, every curse, Lord God, by becoming a first for us, Lord. By your blood, we are redeemed, Lord God. that we will fear no of sin, no bondage, no harmful memory, Lord. Because, Lord God, you want your name to be glorified. You want us to walk in wholeness, Lord God. In holiness and righteousness, Lord God. In your strength, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. So we pray that you bless your church. That you continue to build us up. That you release that spirit of wisdom and revelation. That we may know, Lord God, how to set each other free and then the churches, Lord God, around us, the community, Lord God, the nations, Lord, that we will see your arm move in this world in a glorious and awesome way. We exalt you, Lord. We thank you for your work. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.